Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. But I do want you to turn in your Bibles. If you have your Bibles, they're gonna be in Matthew, Matthew chapter five, it's Sermon on the Mount. I wanna share with you probably the most simplest thing in God's word that most of us just miss. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you. I came off vacation last week. Appreciate Pastor Chad preaching last week. Appreciate y'all letting me get away with my wife and kids and having a ball. And, and man, I was, I was like struggling because we're in this summer of love and we've been talking about all these different things about what love is and who's our neighbor and, and we've had these different activities and, and ministries and then we had, you know, Hendon and his dad come in and we've been able to listen to Mr. David Hyde and give us a little bit of an idea of what's coming up in August with this undeniable series we're gonna be working on and some of the stories that God's done in the life of our church and you'll be hearing more about that. And I mean, there's just so much stuff going on. You probably even recognize new people on the stage because Pastor Zach's been taking people through the process and we're growing this team. Like there is so much going on. And I was like sitting in my office driving the staff crazy because when I can't figure out a direction, then I just, I just disrupt everybody. I'm like, if I'm struggling, everybody needs to struggle. If I can't get direction, then nobody should have direction. So I'm like popping in their offices and they're like trying to work and I'm just laying in the floor and just sitting down and cutting up or bugging them. And, and eventually it just hits and I came across the most like epiphany that is so simple that I just wanna simply share with you today that I believe if I had to say what is the catalyst behind Serve Day, behind the summer of love, behind your life, behind my life, like I would tell you, that this one simple message that's gonna take about 15 minutes is the key to the whole thing. And it's found right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles, join with me, whether it be electronic or paperback. If you have a paperback, get a pen because we're gonna mark in your Bible a little bit. But it starts in verse 17. So Jesus has already introduced the Sermon on the Mount. He's talked about these Beatitudes. He's talked about this salt and light. And, and just so you'll know, the, the whole concept of the of the Sermon on the Mount is literally answering two simple questions. How should I act or what should I do? Like Jesus has had all these people gathered and, he, and he's trying to answer this question. How should I act or what should I do? And he, in the next two or three chapters, he talks about how you should act and what you should do. But to try to make sure that he doesn't belittle or take away from God's Old Testament and the law and the prophets, he puts this in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount just so that people understand that he's not coming to destroy something. Listen to what he says. It's very, very good. He says, verse 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Now, pause button. We have heard this a million and three times, right? Anybody that's anybody in church life, whether it be in Bible study or a Sunday school or at a revival, or you've heard somebody say, well, Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And it's like, that, that's good. There's absolute truth to that. But have you ever wondered, well, what's the law and the prophets he's talking about? Like, what does that mean? Does that mean something? And it actually does. The law is a reference to the five first books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In Old Testament, they call it the Torah. This is what God set up that was the, I mean, that, that's what the Jewish to this day if you go over to Israel and go to devout Jews that have not accepted Jesus as the Messiah because they were waiting for this king that was gonna conquer everything and give them back their land, so they're still waiting for that Messiah. They've missed it. They didn't realize that the Messiah has already come. 
But those Jews are still living by the law. They still are living by the Levitical law and the sacrificial system. That's why you go over there and you go to the West Wall or the Wailing Wall and you'll see what they're doing. Like there's all these ritualistic things. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I didn't come to destroy that law. But he also says the law or the prophets. You're like, well, what's that mean? The prophets are all the other books in the, New, in the Old Testament. Most of those were written by some sort of a prophet, whether it be Ezekiel or, or the story with Moses or whatever it may be, like Daniel. Like it, it's different prophets. And so when you hear in the New Testament, it refers to the laws and the prophet. What that is talking about is the Old Testament canon. So from Genesis to Malachi and everything in between, the minor prophets, the major prophets, all of it, Job, Ruth, you name it, any Old Testament book, that is what he was talking about. And what Jesus is saying is, listen, because he had some Pharisees and scribes, which would be very, 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 very devout Jews, very knowledgeable. In fact, to be a Pharisee or a scribe, you had to have the law memorized. Like Genesis 1-1, all the way through the end of the law, Genesis, biggest numbers, Deuteronomy. Like you would have to have that memorized. So they knew the law. And Jesus wanted to make sure they understood because what he's gonna teach them was the truth. He's wanting to let them know, hey guys, I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets. I didn't come to destroy your Old Testament canon. I didn't come to destroy God's word. What he's saying is, but I came to fulfill it. In other words, the Old Testament is all centered around this this one Messiah that's coming. In fact, if you do a little bit of research, and I don't have time to go into it today, but Josh McDowell did a great job with this whole aspect of all these prophecies in the Old Testament and how many of them that there are and how all of them point to one particular Messiah and how Jesus fulfills every single one of them. It's an amazing, amazing thing. In fact, he gives an analogy that for it to be truth, it'd be the equivalent of taking the state of Texas and burying the state of Texas in a two foot deep of silver dollars and turn around and putting one X on one of them and then being in a helicopter and then randomly reaching down and grabbing the one with the X on it. So the probability is, is through the roof, but the fact that Jesus does meet every single one of them lets us know that it is the truth. Now you can go research that and do some study on your own, but it's a great, great book, a great, great study. But the point today is what I want you to know is, is that Jesus is trying to let them know that, hey, listen, Everything that you have known, I'm not here to destroy it. I'm here to fulfill it. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, that's cool. I got that. That's the Old Testament. So I want to know exactly what that is. Like, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I'm not the sharpest crown in the box. But if you tell me exactly what something is and it's the truth, like, I can do that. Uh, me and my wife have joked around recently with different people that have said, but I don't know how to cook. And we laugh and we're like, but do you know how to read? You're like, yeah, well, if you know how to read, then you know how to cook. Because all you gotta do is read a cookbook, right? It's like, you can learn how to do this. And it's, I'm kind of that way with my faith. I'm kind of a Gideon type person. I'm like, Lord, if this is what you're wanting, I'm gonna put this fleece out here and you make the fleece wet and the ground dry. And I wake up and that happens. I'm like, Whoa. well, just to make sure it really was you, God, this time make the ground wet and the fleece dry, you know? Like I have this fleece type faith. And what Jesus is trying to explain to them is, listen, I'm not coming to destroy everything that you've ever known, but I am coming to fulfill it. And then he keeps going with an amazing concept. Verse 18, for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. 
Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least to the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then here's a real big key. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. See, he is letting them know at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount this major thing that he was gonna deal with, with how do we act and what should we do? And he's letting them know that, you know what, what you are being shown may not be exactly what it is you're called to do. Because the most religious people in that time were the Pharisees and the scribes. The problem was is they knew the law, but they didn't demonstrate the law. In fact, Jesus looks at them, if you were to talk about the righteousness of Pharisees and scribes, Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. Because on the outside, they look great, but on the inside, they hold dead man's bones. There's no life. And he's comparing at the end of this, the aspect of of the righteousness of Pharisees and scribes, and then this, this kingdom righteousness. Like if you have this kingdom righteousness, then that's gonna be something different. You say, well, Mickey, what's the difference? Well, I wrote down in my notes just some simple things. Pharisees and scribes, if you were to think about their righteousness, it all was on the outside, Like the issue with the Pharisees and the scribes and the reason why Jesus starts to come at them in the Sermon on the Mount and to kind of tell people what they need to do is because he's tired of them being deceived. He's trying to accomplish this one big, huge word that we get thrown up in our face on a regular basis if you love Jesus. It's this one word you've heard before called hypocrisy. Have you ever heard somebody say, oh, I would go to that church, but they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, I don't mean this rude, but everybody I know that loves Jesus has a little bit of hypocrisy in them. Why? Because hypocrisy is saying one thing but doing something different. We call that being human. So take a deep breath and realize you're not a hypocrite, you're just human. Everybody struggles with that sort of a concept. You say, pastor, not you. Well, almost everybody, because I'm perfect, I don't have that issue, you're welcome. No, I struggle with it every day. Why? Because I'm breathing. If you're breathing, then you struggle with this. There are things that you say and that you believe, and for whatever reason, you find yourself doing the opposite. You know why? Are you ready? Catch this. Because most of us are consumed more with the outside than the inside. See, we have righteousness like Pharisees and scribes. We're more consumed with what people see than who we really are. We are whitewashed tombs. On the outside, we look like we got it all together. Just go check my gram, man. Look at me, I'm at the beach having a ball. It's pirate week, right? But on the inside, whoo, now that's something different. And what he's talking about with kingdom righteousness is this changing. All of a sudden, rather than being the outside in approach, he's saying, I'm gonna change you from the inside out. If this righteousness will dwell in your heart, then your motives and purposes will change and the things on the outside will change. You catching what I'm throwing this morning? You catching this? Like, it's a really, really big deal. Most of us approach life based on what we don't want people to see or what we do want them to see rather than who we really are. And what Jesus was trying to explain the very, very beginning is, listen, be less consumed with what people see and more consumed with who you actually are. I'll give you an example. When you see people in need, does it bother you? 
When you see people that go through a situation that you've been through that was a tough situation, does it well up emotion in you? When you get into God's word and study God's word, does it still prick your heart? Do you come to church based out of obedience because this is what God wants me to do or because you're seeking something and you're wanting to be better so that you can go make a difference and you can help other people? Another way to put it, are you more self-consumed or people-consumed? I say this a lot from the stage, I have to be careful. But when's the last time you did something that you didn't benefit from, but everybody else did? Do you live life for yourself or do you live life not for yourself? See, the, the word that's there is this amazing word called legacy. And that's what Jesus is trying to hit them with when he's talking through this Sermon on the Mount. In fact, he follows this up, and I'm not gonna get into it, but if you have a paper copy on your left, you can scroll and see, because we've been reading Batterson's book, In the Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, and it's one of those things that he talks about this concept as far as unlearning. See, most of us struggle with our spiritual growth because we deal with two things. Not only do we have to learn certain things, but we have to unlearn certain things as well. Like, like Amy and I have been married for 25 years. And I had, I mean, her parents are here, so I had to be careful. But man, Mark, I mean, we had a lot to unlearn. Like her parents, no, I'm just joking, I loved him to death, all right? Like there is a lot of things that we get taught that we just naturally, because we're, we're a product of our environment, and all of a sudden, there are these things that we go through, and we're like, okay, this is what I've been taught, but, but what do I really need to do? Let me give you an example, because I don't feel like you're really catching what I'm throwing. I want to just show you, okay? In the very next verses, right after I just read, he talks about anger. This is verse 21. You're not going to see it on the, on the screen, but just listen. It says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be held to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable. So it's one of these things like you've heard this be said, but now I'm telling you this. I'll give you another example. It's just a little bit further down, talking about lust. He says, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery. Talking about divorce. I also heard whoever, uh, you've heard it said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. He talks about oaths. He talks about retaliation. He talks about loving your enemy. I love that one. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. See, Jesus even was letting these people know, like, there's some things you gotta unlearn. Like, there's things you need to learn to move forward in your righteousness, but there's also some things you gotta unlearn because it's more than that. And he was saying these things because he's wanting them to understand what he meant when he said, I came to fulfill the law. And then he gets to the verse of all verses that we've heard a million times where I had my epiphany this week. Because I was like, okay, but I wish there was just a simple way. Like, like just what is the law and the prophets? Like, just, just point blank tell me. Like, if this is what I need to do, if this is what you didn't come to destroy but to fulfill, then, then God just, like, what is it? You ain't gonna believe this, but he tells you exactly what it is. In chapter seven, verse 12, 
You've probably heard this. Are you ready? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. If you have a paper Bible, underline these words. For this is the law and the prophets. Can I read that again? Because you may be having a moment like I had on Tuesday and Wednesday. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. See, if you want to sum up the Old Testament, he does it in what we've called what? The golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Like it's the simplest thing in the world, isn't it? Like all of us remember that from like kindergarten. Like, like for some of us, we're going, I didn't know that was in the Bible. I thought that was just my teacher trying to get me to not do the wrong thing because I kept moving my clip up my little board, you know? Not me, I had a lot of stars. No, they didn't, they didn't have clips. They had a paddle back in my day. That's how you got motivated. You didn't get rewards, you got paddled. But it's one of those things that, that I, I mean, listen to me, I want you to catch this. Like this fits every single aspect of your life. Mickey, how should I deal with blank? Well, I'll tell you what, how would you want them to deal with you if you were switched roles? Like however you want people to treat you, you should treat people the same way. What about the way that I love them? Well, how do you wanna be loved? However you would like to be loved in the summer of love, here's an idea. Then love people the way you wanna be loved. What about reconciling? Well, how would you like for people to reconcile stuff with you? Because I would encourage you to reconcile the same way you would like people to reconcile things with you. Well, what about moving forward when I mess up? Well, how would you want people to approach you when you mess up? Because however you would like people to approach you when you mess up, that's what I would tell you is the best way for you to approach them when they mess up. Well, what about forgiveness? How would I want people to forgive me when I mess up? Well, I, I want to forgive, but I just, I, I mess up, I'm human. I hope people will forgive me. But yet we look down our nose and be like, no, you, you done jacked up. Like, I can't believe you did that. Well, wait a minute, we've, we've all messed up. So how about I forgive the way that I want people to forgive? How about I love the way I want people to love? See, here's the essence. The reason why Jesus was emphasizing this was the crutch of this whole Sermon on the Mount. He was dealing with hypocrisy. He was dealing with Pharisees and scribes and religious leaders that were saying one thing, but yet were something different. It's the reason why the church struggled so badly throughout the Old Testament, because the Pharisees and the scribes would leverage the law and the prophet, not for people's gain, but for their own gain. The reason why Jesus went into the temple and made a whip and started running everybody out and called it a den of robbers is because people would travel from all over for this sacrifice, these pilgrimages. They'd show up at Passover and all of a sudden a dove that used to be a buck, now five bucks. Has anybody been on a vacation this, this year? You ever notice the further south you get, the gas keeps going up? Why? Because they know you gotta get home. You ever notice that the gas station on the interstate's usually a lot more expensive than the one that's a little bit further in town? Why? Because they know you're about to run out of gas. See, it's, it's this amazing concept called supply and demand. When you ain't got no supply, I can demand whatever I want. I'll give you an example. 
if I got real long-winded and I got to about 1.30 or 2 o'clock and I brought out some fried chicken and I said, I got just enough for maybe one, I mean, you guys would barter. We'd build a building with what we'd raise. Because you're like, it, it, it's, I'm starving. I want it now. We are amazing at self-gratification, Right? The Pharisees and the scribes used our amazing ability to self-gratify as humans, and they leveraged it against people when it came to their faith. They would travel all the way in, and they wouldn't want to bring a bunch of stuff. And so when they got there, they'd go to the priest. The priest says, you need to do this, 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 and this. So they go and say, okay, I need to have this, 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 and this. And they're like, okay, well, you can have that, but that's going to be this much money. Like, inflation has been around long before there was a democracy. But what I want you to catch is that you have the ability to get rid of the user mentality. Because here's normally what happens. Have you ever been to a yard sale? I get tickled with yard sales because somebody's had something for about, I don't know, 100 years. And they stuck it out on their lawn and they're just saying, look, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm literally gonna throw this stuff away. But before I throw it away, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to give me money for it. And now they won't give you the opportunity to give me money for it, but when you come to buy it, I'm gonna make sure you know how much I spent on that. You ever been to that yard sale? Like you walk up and you're like, oh, cool, look at that, there's a little bike. How much is the bike? $500? Like, I can, five, like, are you serious? If you knew how much I spent for that bike, well, then you probably should keep it. Why is it out on your yard? And what happens is because of the investment that somebody else has made into something, they wanna try to get back something that they've already poured into. And they're gonna use you to do it. Now, one of my not so finder moments happened at a yard sale. (laughs) I was hosting this yard sale and my yard sale prices are really, really low. So not only do you have the people that think too much of their stuff, but you also have the person that's a professional yard seller. And the only reason why they go to the yard sale is they want to see if they can barter you, right? Like you got something for a dollar, like, will you take a quarter? Well, I was hot and I had not eaten. I don't know if it's true or not. I'm making that up because of how bad this story is. But, but I, I had, I don't even remember what it was. It was something that was breakable. And the lady comes up to me and I had it for like a quarter or 50 cents, or a do- I mean, it's, it, was, it was very, very cheap. And the lady came up to me, and she's like, sir, would you take a quarter for that? And she's already been bartering me on every single thing. And I was looked at, and I was like, nope, it's broken, and I broke it. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? That is a true story. I apologize. Like, I just want you to know what you're getting up here, guys. I just want you, I want you to know what you, this is real. I was like, you know what, I, you not paying me, it was worth a quarter for me to watch your face. And I went, sorry, that's broken. No, I will not take a quarter. I'll take a penny right now if you'll sweep this up. My wife, that's a true story. It's embarrassing, but it, the, the struggle is real. But the point of that is, is because of what we invest in something, we always want to try to get in return some of that investment back. And that's the reason why most of us don't do unto others what we wish they do to us. Because we try to leverage saying, but you don't know what people have already done to me. Notice that the golden rule doesn't say, do unto others of what people have done to you. That's not what he said. 
He didn't say, hey, you went and done this and, and kind of got hosed on that, so you go ahead and hose somebody else. Oh, you've been mistreated, so therefore you have the right to mistreat others. Oh, somebody has treated you wrong and not demonstrated love to you and not, not done different things and have been abusive, so therefore you have the right to be abusive and not demonstrate. That's not what this says. What this says is whatever you would have wanted somebody to do to you, that's what you didn't do to them. Well, Mickey, how do I deal with this if, if somebody's like, like you don't understand, I, like I had some people that, like I had this one yard sale I went to and this idiot broke this thing in front of me. But what you've got to do is you've got to get better. I've got to get better. I mean, catch this. Like I want to make sure you catch this really, really. The, the aspect of what God is calling us to as a church literally hinges on this one principle. Mickey, how are we gonna handle church growth? Whatever we would want people to be treated like, the way I wanna be treated is how I'm gonna treat them. Well, how are we gonna handle serve day when people show up and, and you know, there are gonna be some people, they're gonna try to get all the good stuff right at the very beginning. And however I would want people to treat me is the way I should treat people. Well, I don't know if that person really needs that. I mean, look at all that. You ever notice how we ask the wrong questions because we've been mistreated? I'll give you a great example. This is the last one. I'll be done. I'm gonna pray. But listen, you ever noticed how quickly you make every person that's asking for money a bum that is abusive and addictive and, and is there because the, you know, they, they put themselves in that situation. They don't need any help. You ever noticed how quickly we are to profile everybody because of one experience? Can I encourage you with, with the simplest, I mean, the simplest teaching that we've heard since we were old enough to breathe? If you wanna talk about the summer of love, I can sum it up with one simple phrase. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If it's a marriage, it'll be amazing. If it's a dating relationship, it'll be amazing. If it's, if it's your job, it'll be amazing. If it's your church, it'll be amazing. Like no matter what it is that we're dealing with, I promise, Jesus says, and let me just read it again and I'll be done. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And so Jesus backed up his words, didn't he? When he was on trial and they were saying a bunch of lies to him, what did he say? When they took him to a cross and said, denounce and come off that cross, When they put him in a tomb. But you know what's amazing? Is three days later, 
He did to everybody what he wants you to do. He provided a way for people to have a relationship with God. And you know what he's saying in 2022? Love people so well that it helps them get to Jesus. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.